Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to welcome you back to week two of this series entitled Lost in Transition. If you didn't have an opportunity to jump in on the first week, we're talking about something that all of us face and we're learning that we need a little processing with God to help us face it and that's life's coming changes. When things in life change, sometimes for a good reason, sometimes in an unexpected way, life just changes. And so we're looking at the story of Abraham. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 16 this weekend. I'm going to look back at Genesis 12 and catch you up a little bit in between Genesis 12 and Genesis 16 as we look at this very familiar character, Abraham, and how he was navigating life's changes and us seeing some of the mistakes he made, some of the good decisions he made, and it helps us. You know, uh, quite honestly, a little behind the scenes that I began to pray about these series. I began to pray for you. I began to ask God, uh, God, what are you doing in the lives of your people? What are you saying to them? How can I cooperate with you? I learned that as a young pastor, the best way to really uh, help people, obviously, is always take them to the Word of God, but to ask God, God, I just want to cooperate with you in what you're saying right now, what you're doing in the lives of your people so that your Word will come alive to them. And uh, you might think, you know, you're like, Pastor, you know, you just, you just, you know, have a hotline to God, you know, it's just like these series, these messages, you know, it's just like you're in your room and God's like, hello, you know, and you just... You just feel powerful. The truth is, you're kind of finding your way. You're sort of searching along the way. Even last weekend, I had so many things in my heart to share with you. Uh, and, and just quite honestly, I'm like, Lord, really help me to get it across, you know, and, and help me to cooperate with what you're saying. And it's just, it's always exciting uh, when God is up to something. I got to tell you, last weekend, I was just really amazed. Um, I was working through the material I was sharing, but got so many responses from people in our commons area, from people emailing, people saying, I, I lost my job. I, I had an unexpected moment uh, where I lost my job. Got an email from a, a man who lost his job. He's been there two years. I got a, 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 an interaction with a lady who lost her job. I had, I had a friend who brought his friend to church, his friend and uh, his wife, and he said to me that his wife laughed through the message. You know, it's not just because I was telling funny jokes. She was just kind of like, <laughs> just, you ever been in that moment where you're like, God, you see me right now? And uh, she said she just kept giggling through it because it was like God was really talking to her because she was in a major life transition. I, I met someone who was going through stage four cancer and had just found out the diagnosis. And so, and of course, I met so many people as you see these people being water baptized that God is transitioning to our area. I saw a statistic that Fort Worth, Texas is the number two uh, fastest growing area right now in America, Seattle being number one, Dallas number nine. We know this a lot of you 
in recent months have been displaced and moved here. So you're in transition and you're looking, how do I find my bearings? How do I, how do, I do life in this new season along the way? And so um, I know many of you are in that type of transition. And of course, all of us this pertains to because we just a few weeks ago moved into our new worship center. So as a church family, we're in a season of transition right now as a church family. And here's what I want for you and here's what I think God has for us. He doesn't want us to get lost. He doesn't want us to lose our way. He doesn't want us to miss what he's trying to say to us, what he's wanting to do in our lives. And so uh, we're going to look at this weekend. Last weekend we talked about how you get started. We talked about some of the expectations. We talked about some of the emotions around it. But this week we're going to talk about when you're in the in-between. Let, let, me show it, let me show it to you this way. In the 1960s, uh, before we go to the scripture, I just want to help you get a little grid for a second, help you kind of think about where you're at in the journey. In the 1960s, there was a lady who helped so many pastors and counselors and friends. You know, that's what we do. We help one another along, especially pastors. We try to help you through seasons of transition. And this lady, working with people going through grief, came up with a little grid and began to talk about where you're at in the grief stage. If some of you are going through grief right now or you've experienced grief, you probably experience these emotions. First of all, there's like a season of denial and you go through a season of where you're angry and then you face a little bit of the acceptance. You can have a season of depression. So there's, there's these steps that you have along the way in regards to grief. So I'd like for us to look at it in terms of transition for a minute. I didn't get this out of a book, but before we go to Abraham, I thought we might think about, okay, how does transition work? I began to think about this. Years of working with people, what happens in the season of transition and change? Well, first of all, there's an initiation of change in our lives. There's a step where this change begins. Sometimes it's God who initiates the change. Sometimes he's telling us, or sometimes out of nowhere, there's this moment where our worlds get turned in a different direction. If you're in that initial phase, which I met several of you and know that you are, there's a lot of adrenaline. If it's a good change, there's excitement. There's a shock, okay? I remember when we had our first child, Hannah Grace, who's now 17, I can't believe it. We went to the doctor for a routine checkup, and we were thinking we had a few more weeks until she was born. I'll never forget it. It was my first child. Didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what was going. And then we went for the routine checkup, and the doctor came in the room. Brandy and I are sitting there and said, well, we're having a baby today. Brandy was ready to have the baby. I'm like, well, I'm not ready. We're not prepared. He said, no, I want you to go right over to the hospital right now. So I gathered her up and thought, oh, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm just like in shock. I'm like, it's game time. It's on. So I got her in the car and I drove around the hospital five times before she said, you need to get it together. You're supposed to be helping me in this moment, okay? I was no help, man. I'm driving around. Then we get there. They set her all up. And then I started calling everybody. Hey, we're having a baby. We're having a baby. And all my friends showed up. And we're in the room there. And she's over there. She's like, get these people out. Come on, ladies. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We try to be your coach. You know, come on, you got this. But anyway, 
I, I remember just the emotion. Isn't that the way it is when there's, an, when there's a change that's initiated? You're just like, man, there's so much adrenaline, so much emotion, so much excitement, and you're trying to sort it out. I think the next step, though, is when you kind of calibrate a little bit. It's where you start kind of accepting, okay, this is where I'm at. Now, what do I do? probably have a little bit of remorse. You have a little bit of regret. You're thinking, did I do something wrong? This is the place where you can easily blame God. You can get too hard on yourself. You can start asking that question, why? Why am I facing this change? And so you get your bearings a little bit. I don't know if you've got to that phase yet, but then the next phase is the in-between, okay? We're going to look at the life of Abraham. What happened in the in-between? Last weekend, we talked about when the process is initiated, but what happens in the in-between is so critical. I believe it's in this place that some of the most critical decisions regarding your transition take place is when you're in that in-between moment. Because if you'll cooperate with God, you'll get the wisdom of God, you'll hear God, you'll let God develop you in that process then in that next step, you'll start accelerating a little bit, you'll have a little bit of movement, and you can arrive at the promise that he has for your life. Just a little thought, thinking, okay, where am I at? How am I processing all of this? Let me give all of you some hope, though. This may be your first week listening to me. You're lost in transition. You're wondering if God sees you. Let me give you this passage out of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, no matter what you're facing... No matter where you're at in the grid, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And look at me, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same when all things are going like you have them planned. He's the same when your apple cart gets turned upside down. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can put your hope and trust in him. You can anchor yourself to him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will help you if you're in a great season of battle and transition and challenge. If you're in complete confusion, lean on him. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. All right? Well, let's talk about this in-between time, though. I took you last week to Genesis 12. And we look at the life of Abram, Abraham, and we see God starts a transition with him. God initiates. This guy has accumulated some wealth. He's well established. He's got a lot of relationships. And God tells him, which he would say many times in the Bible, I want you to change here. I want you to go. So he tells Abraham to go. And it's amazing what we see here that he left behind. He tells him to go from your country from your people, from your father's household, to the land. Look at all those familiar places. You're going to leave these relationships, this land, these people, all this stuff. He, you've kind of got it all together, and I want you to make a change. And Abram has to leave all of that behind, and here's where the hard part is. He said, to the land I will show you. Isn't that the hard part of transition? The hard part of transition is God goes, I'm going to keep leading you, but you have to trust me. You have to depend on me that I understand where I'm taking you. I will show you where I'm going to take you. We learned last week that in that process of him obeying God, God told him, I will make you. 
He will develop you in transition. He will put things in you. You will understand more of God's nature in it. I will make you, I will make you, I will make you in seasons of transition. I will do some things in you that I can't do in these other seasons. I will make you. Then he talks about I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And then it says, because he obeyed God, look what it says. He set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Don't you wish that was the end of the story in our lives? God says, now it's time for change. You and God talk about it. You take the step, and then bam, boom, you're there. Man, we love the start. We love the finish, but we hate the in-between. The in-between, by the way, is where most of life is lived. Most of life is in the in-between. It's in these in-between seasons and how you respond to those in-between seasons and the decisions you make in those in-between seasons. And so in that in-between is what I want to talk about. Some of you are in-between right now. You're in-between, a, a thing God started and the full realization of where he's taking you. You haven't seen all of the results yet. He's taking you to a land I will show you. Now, as a pastor, I genuinely uh, like to give the positives, you know, just kind of show you it all worked out. But I'm so honored and glad that God loves us enough that he shows us real life people. If you haven't studied the Bible a lot, you're going to see some real life story here. And I'd love to tell you that when Abram arrived there, Abraham got to that place in Canaan that God was done. Because he did not just have for him a physical location, a physical step. Remember, he's doing something in him. He's doing something in him and developing him into something. And so he, he did not just arrive at a place. There's still a process that God has for his life. Now, I don't want to minimize this just to our personal transition. Some of you don't know the story, so I want you to understand. This statement from God to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. It's the Abrahamic covenant. Some of you are like, why is that a big deal? You know, the Abrahamic covenant, that's like a big word. What does that mean? Well, Abraham is 75 years old. His wife is older. She's barren, and God says, I'm going to give you a child. Remember, he's going to be the father of many nations. When we receive Jesus Christ, the Bible says now we become part of the seed of Abraham. Why is that? Because he's the God of Abraham. Here's the promised son, Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You say, why is this a big deal? Because Jesus Christ is in the lineage of this story right here. Him deciding to follow God and trust God and believe God's promises eventually, with some missteps in the middle that we're about to read, eventually produces the promised son Isaac, which ultimately is the lineage of where Jesus is born, and Jesus is the hope that all of us have to have a relationship with God. So this is a big deal. This is a big covenant. And so as we look at it, let's look at what happens. Now, Abram, just like all of us, he... He's struggling. He's struggling to trust God. Maybe that's where you're at. You're struggling in a season of transition to go, Pastor, I'm listening to you, but in my head, I'm having trouble believing that God really will deliver on the things that he has promised. Abram had that trouble too. In Genesis 15, I just read to you Genesis 12. In Genesis 15, he reminds him again. 
Because Abram, listen now, we're talking on the in-between now. In the in-between, Abram comes to God and says, you know what? I just don't know if this can really happen. My, my wife is barren. We're up in age. I realize, you know, you're God and you have this big plan, but, you know, I just, I don't know. He has a tendency like all of us to do to take a shortcut and he comes to God. I don't know if you've ever bartered with God or tried to do it in your own strength. He says, I tell you what, this is not working, this natural child. So Eleazar is in my house and he's one of my servants. Can he be my son? God says, you know what? That's not my plan. He takes him back outside, shows him the stars in the sky and says, let me remind you again of what I've promised. As many as these stars that are there, you can't count them. So shall your descendants be. He goes through a series in Genesis 15 of miraculous appearances. See, God can show you multiple ways and in multiple different settings, and he can reaffirm multiple times, but ultimately, you have to trust him. You have to trust him still. And man, he is pouring it out. He's doubling down. He's like, I'm more convinced than ever, Abraham, that this is my plan. And yet in chapter 16 that I told you to turn to, look at this. Now, Sarah, his wife is working through this as well. And Sarah is in this place with him, says, Abram's wife had borne him no children. Remember, the covenant is a promise to have a child even in your own old age. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, now listen to her processing. The Lord has kept me from having children. It's amazing when you're not trusting God, you even start to blame God. It's God who's holding me back. It's God who's not performing his end of the deal. The Lord has kept me from having children. And so she goes to Abram and says, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps, I want you to focus on this, perhaps I can build a family. The most dangerous place when you're in the in-between is taking control of your own destiny and saying, you know what, God's just not showing up real well. I think I'm going to make something happen. I'll just build this family. I'll just figure this out. I'll just get in God's way. I'll step in in the in-between. She says, maybe I can just build us this family through her. And listen, this next phrase is, I don't know if you get humored by the Bible, but I just laughed out loud reading it. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. It's like, man, God has showed up. He's prepared to him. He's showed him the stars. I mean, he's doubled down. He shows him everything. His wife comes and goes, you know what? You can sleep with my slave. He goes, okay. Okay. Knucklehead? Isn't that the way we are? Okay. Let's just do that. Forget what God said. Let's be up. In the in-between, you're always at risk at just agreeing with anything even beyond God's plan. She said, Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Cana 10 years, that's always the problem. We're busy looking at the clock. Man, this should have happened by now. 10 years. God's never in a hurry. Sarah, said his, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. The kid's name was Ishmael. And by the way, God loved Ishmael and loved Hagar because God is a full of grace and full of mercy God. And he took care of them 
But you know what? When you turn on the news today and you see the animosity between the Jewish people, the seed of Abraham, and the challenges related to the descendants of Ishmael, we watch it played out every single day from this decision right here. This decision, we see it. That's a different message. But look at this. But God loved both. He took care of both. Had a plan for both, but right now we're talking about Abram and Sarah in their in-between. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Did you know what? Her plan worked. Hear me on this if you're in-between. If you don't cooperate with God's plan in God's way and stay focused on God's promise, if you make something happen, you may get what you want and hate what you have. You may actually hate what you have because you settled for less than what God has for her. She didn't even like her own plan. And Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Isn't it amazing too? We start the blame game. Now, okay, you're, you're responsible and he's responsible. And Some of you that are not from church, you don't, haven't read the Bible, you're like, okay, this is an interesting story. It all works out. The promised child is born, and today we have hope because of Jesus Christ. But God gives us these stories to show us a pattern of even these people had to trust him along the way. Those of you that have been around church a little bit, you may not have heard this. You may have not had it preached in a while. You might not have thought about the story in a while. And you may have heard somebody say, hey, believe for your Isaac, don't have an Ishmael. Well, I want to reiterate that today. If you're in the in-between, in a transition season, in our fast pace, do it yourself, make it happen. If it doesn't work, force it. Make sure in that relationship, make sure with those children, make sure with that business, make sure with your dating relationship, single people, that you don't settle for an Ishmael when God has an Isaac for you. In the in-between Why is it, I want to ask this question this week, and I'd like to just leave you with some practicals because that's a powerful Bible story, how we can move toward the Isaac and not settle for the Ishmael. Here's a question we should ask ourselves, though, because transition is all a part of our lives. Why is it in the in-between? Why do we have the tendency to make poor decisions? Why is in that in-between moment we have such a tendency to make poor decisions And I'll tell you why. The pressure of the in-between. The pressure in the in-between. The pressure of how we feel about God, just like Sarah. The pressure of wanting to produce results when it seems like it's taking longer than we think. The pressure of the way others see us. The pressure of waiting. Whatever kind of pressure, there's just more pressure in a season of transition. And we want to shut that pressure So we sometimes, along the way, don't trust God for what he has for us. I want us to talk about what to do in the in-between. You say, Pastor, have you lived this more times than you know? I've had to work through this more times than you know. Sometimes I've passed the test, other times I haven't. I can relate to that, Sarah, saying, man, I despise this because it was something I made happen. I will tell you an area where I look back on my life and I'm thankful for the grace of God where he helped me in a Isaac Ishmael moment. Did you know we could not be here having church this weekend? I could not be speaking from this platform. 
I'm amazed at what God's doing in our church with Discovery 101, the lives that are being changed, the testimonies I'm hearing, having to have baptisms two weeks in a row. How many of y'all got moved by these stories right here? That's every one of those lives. That young girl who just got a Bible and said, I've been reading it every day and she just got baptized. Come on, that's why we do what we do. I'm amazed by it. I'm thankful to God for it. But I got to tell you, I was 25 years old, 1999. I took over an established church. I went there because my pastors felt like it was a step that I needed to make. Went there and it was a challenging situation. It was a church that I didn't start. It was a church, there was some good things about it, but for me, there was some challenges. There were four pastors that had been uh, brought in. They had merged with these churches, not the pastor, the churches. The pastors had had moral failure, so there was a trust thing in the church. And I was leading something as a young guy, and there was all of these dynamics I was walking through that transition. I'll never forget talking to my wife. Why did we make this decision? Why did we come here? I knew God had called me to start a church. I knew that. I knew that promise, young in ministry. And I knew God had called me to do it. I just didn't know when it would happen. This was my season. This was my in-between. This was Jeff learned some things about navigating challenges, learned some transition-type moments, helped people along the way. There were uh, financial challenges that I had to overcome. And two years into this transition, I went to my pastors that I've walked with since I was in my 20s, And I felt like it was that time that I should start Milestone Church. And almost actually before that went to Charlotte, North Carolina. And began to talk about this move and planting a church. How many of you know when you're in the in-between sometimes you can't see it? You're not moving toward the promise. You're running from the pressure of the immediate. And I was running from the pressure from the immediate and was going to prematurely do something. I'll never forget sitting with my pastor... We were at a little bistro table outside. My wife was there. And man, I'm putting it on. It's time. I need to do this. It's time. Man, I got to go. I got to, you know, I was putting it on. And I'll never forget in the moment I realized this is, this is not going the way I want. He leaned back in his chair and he goes, I don't like it. Doggone it. I was selling good. Y'all ever been there? Do you have anybody in your life that can tell you no? Do you have anybody? Do you ever had God tell you no? You're like, Man, what I didn't know was the next two years, the development of God in that season of pressure would be things that I needed at the next step. I almost had an Ishmael, but instead I had an Isaac. What are you going to do in the in-between? How are you going to respond in the in-between? What do I do in the in-between? I'll give you three things before I pray for you. Number one, you have to clarify... And hold on to the non-negotiables. See, pressure will make you give up on stuff that you value. So when you're in this season, look, the best thing to do is to declutter some things from your life. That's one thing pressure will do. Pressure will make you start going, what do I really have a conviction about? See, if I would not have had a conviction that my pastor was a voice in my life, I could have easily dismissed him and made a different decision. But see, I had predetermined this is a relationship and a voice in my life. you you got to declutter. We all hate moving. Why? Everything's all over the place. You know a good thing about moving, though? You get rid of some junk. Come on now. 
We all should move every now and then because you just get rid. Our, our staff is moving offices, you know what I'm saying? We're going to leave behind um, some old bulletins and some old stuff, you know, from the, just like, let's throw that away, okay? We're, we're moving. You declutter. But I'm going to tell you, what happens in that season of pressure in the in-between, you get introduced to yourself. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, said, here's a good thing about adversity and pressure. It introduces us to ourselves, it tells us who we really are. So you know what I would encourage you with in the in-between is to say, you know what? I'm not sure about a lot of things, but this is one thing, this is two things, this is three things, this is four things. I'm holding on to. If Abram and Sarah had defined some non-negotiables, then the emotion of the moment might have kept them from making poor decisions you got to say, look, that's a non-negotiable in my life. I'm not going to let that pressure cause me to give up on some things that are important. So I'd say clarify those things. Clarify them. Hold on to them. You, you, can't, you can't control God's timing. You can't control all the time the outcomes. You can't always see where he's taking you. But one thing you can steward is your emotions and one thing you can steward is your values and your principles. And you can say, you know what? I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this. Here's number two. Number two is don't be passive. Be actively engaged while you're waiting. I don't know about you, but for me, man, pressure can make me want to retreat. can make you want to isolate. Make you want to pull away from relationships. Make you want to pull away from asking someone's advice. Make you pull away from God. Now I'm going to tell you, we're not good at waiting. I'm not good at waiting. I was the most impatient kid. I was a substitute teacher's worst nightmare because we were on stall and we were in between and she couldn't teach any lessons or he couldn't. And man, that was time for my ADD to go crazy. Y'all know what I'm saying? We call ADD a problem today. We used to call it gifted and talented. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean... (laughs) Just if you got an impatient kid, give him or her some grace. They may do something great one day, okay? I'll tell you, man, I was just like, man, what, what are we doing next? Where are we going next, you know? I remember my dad would take us out to eat. My kids go out to eat all the time. It was like a treat to go out to eat when I was a kid, you know? And so, of course, we'd go to Luby's. Some of y'all not from Texas, you don't know what that is. Here's basically what Luby's or Furs is, okay? How many of y'all know what that is? Raise your hand. But, but, but come on, y'all all know. Everybody in here. It's like a upgraded school cafetorium. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? They don't have the hair nets and stuff. Maybe they did. But anyway, you know, we'd get, we'd get there, man. It was a treat, man. We're going to Luby's. My dad's six foot seven. He's standing behind us. You start pushing your tray down the line. He'd be like, you're getting water. I ain't paying for tea. Come on. <laughs> I ain't paying for tea. Then you start going along there, man. You look at those big old entrees. They're going to give you a half size. You know, I was like, I want that full fish, that square fish, you know. My dad, he'd, I'd look at him, all right, you can get it. Then you get to that jello. Come on, the big old deal. It's like green cubes and orange cubes. And man, I'm a kid, I'm like, look at all that jello. I'd be looking at my dad, all right, you can get it, but you better eat every bite. Come on, y'all. You put it on your plate, pushing down through there. You're just impatient. I mean, the register's right there, but you just lean over and just. Suck one of them cubes. 
Then your dad, wham! I mean, he just hits you where you commit the foul. You know, <laughs> Impatient, man. Let me give you this verse real quick. If you're in a season of waiting, real quick verse here. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of the confusing things for a lot of people about that verse is the word wait doesn't mean withdraw from church, withdraw from your small group, withdraw from your time with God because you kind of don't trust him anyway because you think, man, what did you do with me? The word wait there is a Hebrew picture, the word kavah. The Hebrew language is, is very, it's, there's pictures to it. There's a scene that it's painting. And that's not waiting like this. Passive isolation. It's it's like it literally means to be bonded together. You're you're more tied than you've ever been. I've said this many, many times, but as a pastor working with people, the biggest surprise for me many times is you say, Where's so and so? Where'd they go? What happened? Man, what happened? Well, they didn't come to small group. They they're not coming to church. Well, they're just going through something. Well, they're just in a season of transition. You know, they're just they're going through something in their marriage. They're going through. And my thought has always been, so you need less of God? So you need less of church? You know what? You should be having coffee every week. You should be in, I mean, it's like, I need to get around some people who will encourage me, who will strengthen me, who will help me hear from God, who will help me not give up on the promise. You need to engage more. So look, yes, you're waiting and you're rested in God because, by the way, anything you strive for or press for or make happen is generally not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is first, there's peace in it. There's peace. You're moving forward from a place of peace. So, yes, you're, you're rested before God. You're waiting for God, but you're actively engaged in the process. Here's number three. may seem like common sense, but it's so big process with the right relationships. You should already predetermine, if you're in a season of big transition, very critical who you're processing that transition. Because again, you're going to go through emotions. You're going to go through emotions about God, his nature, his character. You're going to have fears. You're going to have anxieties. And let me just say this. I don't know if you know this about yourself. I know this about myself. My perspective and my judgment in a season of pressure can get way off. It can get way off. I can lose sight of the Isaac. I can lose sight of the promise. I can let fear, anxiety, worry, all of that come my way. And so what happens when our judgment gets off? We take shortcuts. We back up. We abandon we have such a potential to make poor decisions. So can I encourage you? Process with the right relationship. Some of you are like, what is a right relationship? What does that look like? Well, here's some, I just jotted some things down this week because I'm praying for you. You're like, pastor, what do you do? Well, here's the type of person you're looking for. Number one, you need someone who knows the word of God. If I get in a season of transition and pressure and I come to the relationships I walk with and I say, you know what? I'm going to take this move because you know what? I'm just, I'm going to leave Brandy. I'm going to leave Brandy behind because you know what? That, that, that's kind of, you know, she, she's kind of holding me back from, hold on a minute. That's not the word. 
You need somebody who knows the word. You need somebody who's going to counsel you according to the word, not according to what you want. You better be listening to someone who knows what this says, what God says, what his plan is. You need someone who's going to remind you of God's truth along the way. I would say always listen to someone who is going to not just give you emotional processing and all that. That's all good. Make sure their counsel is filtered through the truth of God's word. Number two, I would say you need someone who genuinely wants the best for you. I know we've been hurt by relationships, we've been hurt by family, we've been hurt by parental authorities, but I'm going to tell you, there are people out there that God has for you that genuinely want the best for your life, that genuinely care about you. You need to have those kind of voices in your life, especially in seasons of transition. You got to say, you know what, I may not like always what they say, but I believe these people genuinely want the best for my life. And here's the final one. You need someone who doesn't have their own agenda. You need someone who can take themselves out of it and say, you know what? I'm so thankful for the men in my life who say, Jeff, we're less impressed with your preaching, your leading, your church, the size of your church, the people. We care about you and we have this agenda for your life. Don't have an Ishmael. Fight for the promise and the Isaac that God has for you. That's our agenda in your life. So I would encourage you with it. I went to our Discovery 101 last week and I met a girl. Um, I stood, I stay and meet everybody. I just love all these awesome people God's bringing to our church. It's just amazing, just amazing. The church is the most resource-rich, talented place on the planet. I mean, it's just fascinating every time I do these. I, I stand there and just shake hands with people. One guy came up to me and he goes, this is like being at Disney, waiting for one of the Disney characters to sign your book. I'm like, I don't, I don't I'm like being referred to as Mickey Mouse, okay? Um, but I just love it. I love meeting, meeting the people, so I'm just standing there. And the, the second to last person was a 23-year-old girl. And she said to me, she said, I have had so much transition in my life. I graduated from college for various reasons. I've had three different jobs I've moved three or four times. She said, my best friend was killed in a car wreck two months ago, and I just called off my wedding and my engagement. The compassion of God, she may be listening here, she may be here. I, the compassion that I had, I thought, I don't even know how you're still standing. That's a lot of transition for a 23-year-old, a lot so I drove home after 101, I thought this. I thought about her. I thought, Lord, thank you for helping her. You know, isn't it amazing? By herself, she's not passive. She's engaging. She's coming to 101. That takes a lot of courage. That just takes a lot of courage, not just to sit in the crowd when you got that much pain. I'm thankful she was stepping out. I'm thankful she's looking for voices. She's looking for relationships. But as I walked away, I had compassion for her. But the other thought I had what a critical moment for her. The decision she's going to make at 23 years old with that much tornadic activity is going to have a huge bearing on her future. And you know what? You say, Jeff, how do you get that? That's what the local church is. That's what it is. I mean, it's God. You get bound to God. Get bonded up with him in the waiting. 
He'll be there for you. He'll encourage you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what? Why do I keep preaching this message to all of these people in transition? Look, don't just sit. Get engaged. Get engaged. Get engaged. Why? Because it's in those places where God will help you not have an Ishmael, but go towards your Isaac. I'm asking you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. You say, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, well, how do I have a relationship with him? It's really simple. It's not just the preacher words. It's your heart. Right where you are, just like you heard of these stories of people saying, in a service, I prayed. Maybe you're watching online. I prayed. here's, Here's what they prayed, and here's what you can pray. You can mean it from your heart. Jesus, here I am. I receive you today. Come into my life. I believe this promise you made to Abraham. I believe you were born, Jesus. You died for me. You rose from the dead. I want to have a relationship with you. Come into my life. Be my Jesus. Be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to step out of the shadows. Let someone know so we can help you learn how to walk with this Jesus. But second of all, I want to pray for some of you in the in-between that you would walk toward the promised Isaac and not have an Ishmael. God, I pray for the courage. I pray for the values, the conviction. I pray for the active waiting. I pray for the right relationships around them, that they'd hold on to those things. Lord, that you would guide them by your strength and wisdom into this next step. We thank you that you do see us, you know where we're at, and you want to bring us to where you've called us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 